Decent delivery headed away as far as Nangolan. And Raja Nangolan with an absolute stunner! On loan from Inter at Cagliari, as he didn't quite fit contest system, Nangolan scored this opener a 2 0 victory against Spal in brilliant fashion, a powerful half volley into the top corner from miles out. Crazy to think that he probably drank four Peronis, six Jaeger shots, and smoked a pack of Chesterfields the night before. This was a trademark goal by Nangolan. Um, he didn't score many goals throughout his career, but um, the ones he did were absolute peaches. In fact, he played 171 games for Roma, scoring 28 goals and 179 games for Cagliari scoring 14 goals. Not crazy numbers, but I can guarantee you the goals will leave you gobsmacked. The tattered, blonde, mohawk, big, scary motherfucker started his career off at Beer Shot in Belgium, probably where he learned how to drink beer and take shots. He then moved to Piacenza, where he made 71 appearances and was loaned out to Cagliari in his final season. Cagliari made that move permanent and he played 124 games for Cagliari, scoring 7 goals and really angling himself as a top midfielder in this area. In 2014, Nangolan moved to Roma, where he was included in the team of the year for four years in a row throughout the entirety of his career with them. Eventually, he moved to Inter um, and this was, you know, it generated a bunch of hype as you remember, Matt, um, yeah. especially from this guy over here. Little did he know that he would only play 33 games from Inter, scoring only 6 goals and was pretty much a flop for them, while Zaniolo proved to be one of the hottest talents of his generation. Um, and 22 million, 25 million, however. 22 million, yeah. Zaniolo and Santon. These guys here celebrating. <laughs> yeah, not a favourable deal at all in hindsight, but what can I say? The, the chant's great. Um, it hypes me up personally. Yeah, 100%. As Milan fans, I think we were chanting it as well when, when this deal was made. Now, I would have loved like Nangolan to come to Milan. He's a fantastic player, but it yeah. really didn't work out for him. I think getting him, then getting Conte right after, yeah. that's the worst thing that could have happened to Nangolan. Also, fun fact, he could have played for the Indonesian national team due to his father's heritage, but chose to play for Belgium where he didn't really play for them. I believe he had 30 appearances and 6 goals for them um, due to his troubled yeah. track record and past. Yeah, the, the cigarettes and alcohol that I mentioned in the beginning weren't just a funny random joke, but the man does actually smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol pretty regularly. Exactly. Getting him exiled from the squad, but getting him a place into the Serie A Spotlight Hall of Fame. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Seria Spotlight. We're your hosts, Matt. I'm Jake. So we're back with the first episode since the Christmas break. Very happy to be here. In fact, we've got the Aperol Spritz out to celebrate. 
Yes, we're celebrating, we're drinking, we're back here. We can't be happier, of course. Um, you can follow us on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. at say a spotlight. The YouTube thing is um, new, it's up to date. You should totally check us out there, have it on in the background. Um, also, we've decided to change the format. We won't be going into the goals in detail because we found that that part's a little bit boring. It's not as interesting. Yeah. We talk about a tapping for like two minutes sometimes. So yeah. we decided to scrap that out and just give ourselves more leverage to talk about our takes on certain performances, on, you know, highlights. Yeah, they tend to drag on, especially when we're covering 10 games a week. Um, discussing every single goal sometimes gets a little bit mind-numbing. So this, I think, will be will be better. Let us know um, if you prefer the previous format, um, of course. We are open-minded and will consider change. 100%. So, obviously, you know, the, the return of Serie A could have been a little bit better. There were around four matches that were suspended due to COVID. Um, unlike other leagues in Europe, basically, Serie A does not intervene or postpone matches if COVID cases get too high within certain teams. This, however, does not stop the local health authorities of certain cities and clubs to jump in and impose restrictions or quarantine. Bologna were placed into quarantine after eight positive cases. Inter still travelled to the match and warmed up in the match where De Marco even picked up a knock while yeah. juggling the ball and colliding with Dumfries. Um, little did know the game wasn't actually going to go on, so he's got a little bit more time to recover there at least. A similar situation happened last month in a clash between Salernitana and Udinese, where the newly promoted side were banned from travelling from the local health authorities. Udinese showed up nonetheless as scheduled and even named their starting eleven and chilled in the dressing room for 45 minutes. Salernitana again were due to face Venezia this time round, but were placed into a five-day quarantine after nine players tested positive. Udinese and Torino were also placed into isolation and blocked from travelling to Fiorentina and Atalanta, respectively. Now, there was an emergency meeting last Wednesday, but Serie A decided to stick to their guns and claimed, We will go on with the programme as scheduled without any postponement. We are not able to decide which games to postpone and which ones to play. The situation is hard for everyone, but we must go ahead. Now, the rules state that so long as 13 players tested negative, including a goalkeeper, and inclusive of Primavera players, the match will proceed as scheduled. Should sides fail to travel and the, the game doesn't go on, they will face a forfeit defeat of 3-0, but can appeal the decision, which could potentially lead to a replay. This was a situation we saw between um, Gattuso's Napoli and Pirlo's Juventus last season, which ended up being replayed towards the end of the season. This indifference will eventually lead to more bureaucracy, more lawsuits, more, um, to be honest, just fuck-ups in general. You know, We're going to have teams who will get walkovers, we're going to have teams who don't get walkovers. At the end of the day, it's not really fair, and I really feel like Serie has let us down this time. I think so as well. I think and so by as this well. time, I mean, as usual. Yeah, and, you know, Salernitana have played two lesser games than, than any other side, which, you know, they haven't got the players to suit fitting matches in t- midway through the week, you know? So, yeah. so the games are going to get postponed. They're going to end up playing them mid- midway through, and they're going to be fatigued, and they're, you know, going to get relegated nonetheless, so it's not that big a deal. But... Yeah, let us know what you think about about the restrictions. I definitely think that it should be one for all and all for one should apply yeah. to every single Consistency, team. Consistency, right? Yeah. As we always talk about. 100%. Equally, like, you know, Milan have had five, six COVID cases and the, the games still go on. And, yeah. and you know, they, they lose as a result. Six? I thought three, no? Well, this time around it's three, yeah. but last season, exactly, like, yeah, yeah. There, there was a period exactly. that was crazy. 
So the first big game we're going to be discussing is Juve 1, Napoli 1 at the Allianz Stadium. Goals by Mertens in the 23rd minute and Chiesa in the 54th minute. Coming into this game, um, Juve had won 9 of their last 10 games against Napoli in the Allianz Stadium, losing once. This, these stats have been in action since 2011. Allegri's men remain 5th, while Napoli sit 2 places above 3rd. What did you make of this game, Matt? So, obviously, I was expecting Juve to get more out of this game than they did. Napoli were missing 6 starters um, and 9 first-team players. Lozano was out with COVID, Malqui was out with COVID, Rui, Meret... Ozimen, Koulibaly, Anguissa and Unas out at AFCON, Fabian Ruiz has a groin injury. So when you looked at the sides, I thought it was quite a mismatch rather. But Napoli took control of the game real nicely. I think they controlled the game until Juve managed to get that goal back. There was the shift in momentum over there and I think a 1-1 result at the end of it was a fair result. Yeah, I would say I would say so too. Um, Juve did the thing that they always do um, when they get back into the game; they just stop playing. Yeah, you know. Um, also, going forward, I'm really not impressed um, by Juve, especially when Dybala isn't on the pitch. They have no creative flair whatsoever. Um, they play this four-four-two; doesn't really move. It was kind of a four-three-three this game, but yeah. in game in play, it still looks like a four-four-two. To be honest yeah, with you, absolutely. And, and Chiesa found himself in a lot of space down the middle, just charging on his own with no options to play it to. You know. It's, you feel for the guy. There's nothing there for him. Other than that, other than Chiesa running up and down the field, he had eight attempts. Yeah. He was the only source of output that Juve had in that entire game. He's the only source of creativity. And as long as they don't have someone to give the ball to who can convert it into the back of the net, then they're going to keep on struggling. I mean, they did a good job from the 54th minute onwards. I was actually pretty impressed by their midfield, which isn't something that I would say normally, but they controlled the ball well. Despite Locatelli was really good. Yeah, Locatelli was brilliant. And, you know, Napoli had... A, a good performance in midfield as well Particularly with Lobotka and Demme And Zielinski mm, yeah. But Juve were overpowering them at that point And it's just, you know They've got no one to play the ball to And and that really hurt Juventus for the season And we'll see if this month they can get a transfer on Yeah, on BT Sport um, The man with the greatest name since Kevin Lasagna Of course, James Horncastle Highlighted <laughs> how well Lobotka had been playing um, and he's spot on to be honest He had 68 accurate passes out of 73 93% pass accuracy He's energetic, he's he's alive, he's involved He's a very good option to have, I'm telling you 100% I think one thing that allowed Lobotka to play better though Was having Demme to his side I think Demme got a lot of dirty work done yeah. I think his his work rate was phenomenal Lobotka on the, on the other hand was like a gazelle He was, you know, clean passing yeah. You know, quite elegant in the way he played yeah, Refined, right? Exactly. A refined performance And definitely. then Demme kind of gave that box-to-box Kind of crusher Kind of vibe He played really well over there And it was nice having Zielinski ahead of them This is what we always talk about It's having that You know um, Versatility within your squad That if Fabian Ruiz is injured You can bring someone in to replace him If you have Anguissa at Afcon You have someone in to replace him as well Yeah um, I think we were meant to be seeing more from Demme this season But his injuries of course slowed him down But I do think he'll be a protagonist for Napoli going forward this season I think yeah definitely with, with Afcon and Ruiz This is his second back-to-back injury as well And with Covid around You know he's bound to pick up Covid at some point yeah. as well So yeah Demme will see him being slotted into the team quite a bit One thing that you know refreshed my memory slightly and gave me some some nice memories were seeing Merton starting up front for Napoli as well. I think he had a good performance. And what did you make of him pointing to the badge after he scored that goal? I think that was kind of... uh... 
<laughs> it was a bit controversial, you know, especially con- for considering his relationship with Insignia. Because I feel like he pointed to the badge kind of as a fuck you to Insignia who is leaving to Toronto and has broken ties basically with the yeah. with the um, Napoli faithfuls. Um, they're pissed off at him, of course. They've even said they don't want him to play anymore. They don't want their captain to be someone who's you know who's got Leaving an expiration club, date. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought Mertens played decently. He was very lively. He was opportunistic and his goal was very good. Um, Delict, of course, unlucky um, that Szczesny got attached to it because he had that shot under control, I think, to clear it off the line. Yeah, well, like we said, Juve did manage to get back into the game and from the 54th minute onwards, they were in full control. Mm. Chiesa has to be one of the best players in the league and I think yeah, he's, sure. when, when people talk about, you know, the the Hallands, they talk about the Mbappes, they talk about the, well, um, who? Vlaovic, Vlaovic, Jesus okay. Christ. Um, I think Chiesa should be a, a, a point of discussion over there. Putting aside his performance at the Euros, even though you shouldn't really put them aside because he's fantastic. Yeah. He's been very unlucky with injuries this season. He's been out for most of them. But whenever he's on, he is Juve. He's, yeah. he's the only one that's running up and down, putting in that 110% effort that other other team other players fail to do. Yeah, and simply by watching Juve, you would have never guessed that this was only his second goal in the league yeah. this season because he's really lively. He works really hard. He seems to be the most determined player on that on that Juve team by a lot. Um, also, bro, the prediction series. We did not mention that I have made it five in a row and that um, I beat you 6-1 this week. You only got one correct outcome. That's that's terrible. What do you have to say to the fans out there that you're disappointing, man? No, I, I, I'm sorry to everyone. I'm disappointing. I'm shambolic when when it comes to this. I'm much better on three, bet three six five. I can I can promise you that much. <laughs> um, but I did think that injuries and and COVID were going to affect the outcome of the games more than this. I mean, I definitely thought Napoli wouldn't get started against Juve with the amount of rotations that they had. And and moving forward as we get into other games, you see the amount of injuries that there are. And yeah, naturally, I just thought that those would impact the games yeah. heavier but you know round yeah. of applause to the coaches and to the oracle um, <laughs> of course my prediction was 1-1 and it came through um, I'm, I'm pretty pretty happy with that yeah, I said a 3-1 Juve win man <laughs> that, that was, do that I was ever see Juve scoring three goals in a match this season I'm not I'm not quite sure but anyway, um, I want to highlight also um, Sozas or Sozza, it's S-O-Z-Z-A, the yeah. referee, of course, this was his um, 15th game in Serie A that he officiated and I think he did a great job, the 34-year-old. Um, he handled it very well, bar the controversy at the end because he didn't give them the, the corner, but to be honest, time was up. That's always going to be controversial when you don't give a corner, you're always going to get players screaming in your face and the fans yeah. fucking telling you to fuck off, but, like, but yeah. it was a good call. The free kick was um, already kind of out of time. Yeah, well, it's it's a weird one with the corners because I personally think that if the ref is going to allow play to go on past the the stipulated additional time, it's because there's a goal-scoring opportunity. I think a corner is a goal-scoring opportunity. So I personally think there should be a rule in place saying a corner is a goal-scoring opportunity. If it's past the, the stipulated time, then you should be able to take the corner. However, we've seen this call made before in favor of Juve, against Juve, and, you know, it, it works for and against most teams. So, again, consistency, yeah. please, I don't, yes I don't no. necessarily believe that if time's up, you should allow a corner. I think if time's up, time's up, like, 
Yeah, fair enough. But then if time's up and and they're char- they're counter attacking, for example, then you're gonna let play go. Yeah, on. A counter attack is one thing, though. But a corner is a different, a totally new period of play. You know, new phase of play. Yeah, well, a counter attack would be kind of attached to the previous play. Oh, but you know how many goals you see from corners, man. Yeah, as I soon as the, the ball is being played into the box and you've got six foot two men just waiting <laughs> for the ball to come in. But anyways, all we want is is you know it's either gonna happen or it's not. I think it'll put a lot of players and and fans and managers' minds at ease that they know exactly what's going on. Before moving on, I'd just like to point out that um, Napoli were definitely happy with the draw. They they wasted a lot of time in the second half. They really played for the draw. You know, they played Juve at their own game, I feel. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. I don't think they had much um, creativity towards the end of the game. They were getting overpowered, as I mentioned earlier. They had... Petania up front who didn't make much of an impact in the last, you know, four or five minutes that he got of the game So, yeah, Napoli would be happy with the draw They even brought on Zanoli, who I had never seen before, and of course Elmas Yeah But the fact that they did waste so much time, I feel like it it stopped Dybala from having such a heavy impact on the game Because he was dangerous when he came on, man he always is dangerous um, The thing is they, As you mentioned They killed his momentum completely Like he had no No flow in his game You know No consistency Because the player was just Starting and stopping And starting and stopping Yeah 100% But anyway I think we've we've covered That match now So we could move on To the second big match Of this round That is Milan 3 Roma 1 At the San Siro This is another outcome That I got wrong Because I thought Well yeah, no, I said I said draw, and that was before I even knew about Milan's COVID cases. <laughs> so, just to paint the perspective a little bit, um, Milan had Kier, Tomori, Romagnoli, Calabria, Kessi, Benasser all out, with Leao and Rebic only just returning from injury. That's not 100%, and Pioli did say, if the player is not 100%, he's not starting the game, and he's only going to be introduced slowly, slowly. How can Pioli speak, eh? considering he's on fire? <laughs> True, bro. Normally, people that are on fire. fire <laughs> so composed and poetic yeah. as a guy, though. What a win, bro! What, what a, a great, fucking great victory! Win. Honestly, it was so convincing, so convincing. And Roma, this, shit. Yeah, fun stat: <laughs> three wins in a row for Milan against Roma for the first time since 1996 under Fabio Capello. So that's a bit of history made right now. Um, Milan have won more Serie A matches against Roma than any other side with 77 wins, 51 draws and 45 losses. So if any Romanisti come up onto your Twitter account and start talking shit, just hit them with that stat. They are Milan's punching bag. Literally. And beating them earlier in the season as well. Two goals to one, even after that controversial shout and Teo's red card towards the end of the game. We, it's yeah. always a spicy encounter. Between it's always a spicy encounter with terrible officiating. And this <laughs> exactly. one also had terrible officiating, oh. as we'll get into it. So I'm just going to go through the goals very quickly. Um, eighth minute, Giroud scored the penalty. 17th minute, Junior Messias. Um, 40th minute, Tammy Abraham. 82nd minute, Leao. Beautiful link up with Zlatan. And then the 94th minute, Zlatan missed a penalty. Obviously, there were two red cards aside from that from Roma. So, in case you guys didn't watch the game, it did get heated very quickly. And we're seeing brawls towards 35 minutes of the game. And that led to, I don't know, how many bookings did the drama starting 11 have? There's, well, two for Mancini, two for Karsdorp, Pellegrini, Abraham, and Zaniolo all in the book. 
um, yeah, it was it was quite a, a rough encounter. Definitely, and um, Theo Hernandez, captain Theo Hernandez for this game, who took to <laughs> Instagram saying how proud he is to be a Rossonero, probably hinting at his future that he might actually renew him, and Leao apparently are very close to renewing. Um, he really gave Karsdor a run for his money down the down that left-hand side. Um, he frustrated him throughout the whole game. Karsdor was fucking pissed off by the end of it. In fact, that, that red card he got at the end was purely out of frustration. Was, so this is what Theo does best, you know, just yeah. irritating people, being a cunt, falling easily, just pissing everyone off. For yeah. sure. I really liked seeing Hernandez on the same side as Salamakers as well because an inverted Salamakers really holds up play nicely and kind of cuts in early and holds onto the ball and it really gives Theo that freedom to dart forward on the overlap. And... It was just so much more dangerous. He was cutting into the box like there's no tomorrow. And at the same time, Salamakers was covering him when he was up, which is mm. which is refreshing, really. Normally with Leao and Rebic, they're much more offensive-minded. So we tend, to, well, Milan tend to get caught out quite a bit on the left. But this time, obviously, that, that didn't happen. It does seem to create more balance, eh? This whole um, Salamakers on the left because of his defensive contribution compared to Leao and Rebic. Um, normally, it's Kessi who, who drops deep for Hernandez. But it was interesting seeing Salamakers... Um, Putting in a shift there Also Yeah please You want to say something Yeah I mean With all the absentees This made Total sense in hindsight With Kronich and Tonali Milan were just missing Kind of like that yeah. That crusher Someone to Someone to cover up Even though Tonali and Kronich Do a fantastic job of, of holding back And winning the ball I think having someone Like Salamakers On that left hand side Would have helped a lot yeah. All right, fant- all round, sorry, fantastic performances um, from the Milan players. Manian was amazing. Florenzi, probably his best game for Milan so far. Kalulu and Gabia put in a great shift at the back. They were good. Theo Hernandez was good. Tonali and Kronich, good p- partnership in the middle. They seemed they outplayed Roma's midfield, who were fully fit. Salamakers, yeah. Diaz was okay. A better game for him, considering compared to like his last few. Messias was very good, and Giroud, of course, was good too. Yeah, Giroud was solid. I wasn't expecting him to have that solid a performance. It probably helped that he got the the penalty in so early. Speaking of that penalty, I think it was eight minutes in. What did you make of the call? Abraham had his arm up, but there wasn't one single appeal from any of the Milan yeah. players, and it did take a VAR call to that's, spot it. That's the definition of a of a harsh call because it just brushes his arm. But with VAR, you know, you're slowing it down. It's hitting his arm. You have to give it. Yep, and it's always given. Yeah, no. Straight Nowadays, up. that's always given. Yeah, so Straight I up. don't think that's controversial. There was, there were um, two yellow cards that should have been given early on um, by 100%. the referee, and um, there was actually another penalty call on Krunic, which apparently was supposed to be given that the referee totally, totally overlooked. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to highlight as well that um, Rome under Mourinho have looked. Bad. It's just, it's not just about results. They just look terrible, man. There's no flow to them. There's no rhythm. It's almost like yeah. there's no ideas. Do you think they were better under Fonseca? Um, no, I don't think they were better under Fonseca. I think I think they were very, you know, their their results were very similar under Fonseca. Mm-hmm. I I believe they ended up seventh under Fonseca as well, and they're currently in seventh. So. That's, that's very similar But with Fonseca And then we didn't see Roma beat Atalanta 4-1 Now I know you can tell me yeah. that's a freak occurrence But but it is something that, that has happened However, with the additions that Roma have made In Rui Patricio, Tammy Abraham And you know, a, a, a full-flowing Pellegrini in, in the middle uh, Chris Smalling at the back I do expect to see Roma putting up more of a fight that isn't just physical because yeah. the only fight they put up was physical I was not for once scared that Roma were going to get the equalizer it was more just you know whose players which players legs are they going to break 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was very negative. Um, I think they were better under Fonseca, bro. They played better football. They didn't beat any of the top sides in the league. That was the biggest criticism mm-hmm. for Fonseca. But when it came to beating the lower teams, they were pretty consistent at that. I remember, I think two seasons ago, it was um, Roma and Milan were were fighting towards the end of the season for a, for a European spot, and they just didn't persevere. They just kept winning and winning and winning every single game under Fonseca. So, I don't know. Mourinho, of course, needs... Needs a transfer market, he needs to spend a bit, but that's funny considering that um, Roma have spent 1 billion euros. Um, <laughs> actually, <laughs> one point, how much was it? 1.04 billion euros in the last 10 years, making them the 10th highest spender in Europe in the last 10 years. What do you make of that, man? Who did they br- bring in, man? Who? Bro, I, to be honest, I think it's <laughs> bad business like, For sure. when, when I think about sure. it. Because, With monkey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who. When was the last time they finished in the top four, for example, Roma? Was it what, four seasons ago, five I seasons so, ago, yeah. maybe? Yeah. I can't even remember. Like, for, fuck Terrible that. Business. Spending one billion in the past 10 years. That puts them over the likes of. And while they're spending this money, they're selling their best players. <laughs> yeah. You know? So they're just buying shit and selling and their And then gold. they're buying them back from China and expecting them to be great. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It doesn't make fucking yeah. sense. But Roma were shambolic, in my opinion, throughout this game. I think. Tammy Abraham is a massive plus. I think he gets heavily criticized because he hasn't gotten many goals to his name. But I think he was superb. I think he was good. The whole system of where there's like a, a cross shot and he comes in with that header, yeah. that is dangerous. And it forced Manyan into a brilliant save. And it's also how he got his goal as well. So having a physical, you know, structure like him up front with his intelligence as well and laying the ball off nicely, he's a massive asset. And I would like to see him with Two wingers playing much closer to him than, you know, having Zaniolo playing up front with them or, or, or with a certain distance between them. Fair enough. Um, I, I liked Abraham's movement in the game. I thought he was pretty good. Um, I have to say that you remember when when um, someone had a shot for Inter and it hit Lukaku in the back. Oh, and it just didn't go uh, in yeah. like at all. Obviously. Yeah, it was in the block. Champions League. Yeah. I, I think. That's the difference, man. That's what you get for being nimble. Like, Abraham can actually move out of the way and get like just enough of a touch to it at the point he even forced money on into an amazing save just because he got a touch on it yeah um, can be very dangerous of course so positives for milan from this game i think it shows that even though there are absentees in the squad milan can still persevere uh, particularly in that defense i think it's very you know it depends on the system in place and i think pioli has built a, a great system that is both defensive yet offensive at the same time that allows milan to control the game and they control the game nicely which caused roma to get angry earlier on however negative points for roma what do you think would be the standout their defense man their defense was fucking abysmal especially when leao came on who was just doing whatever he wanted to do with them yeah you know mancini wasn't any good Ibanez wasn't great. Smalling was okay for the majority of the game. Yeah, but Smalling was good because he yeah. could put up a fight with Giroud because of, exactly. because of their size and, and their style. But so, other than that, I don't think it was great either. Speaking of Giroud, apparently he, he instructed um, Kalulu and Gabi and told them about Tammy Abraham's weak spots because they were teammates at Chelsea. Oh, and wow. in fact, they said at the end of the game, Gabi, I was like, Giroud helped us a lot for this one. Nice. Pretty, pretty cool, yeah. Nice. What do you think of, of that pairing at the back for Milan, Gabi and Kalulu? Because I was shitting myself, bro, personally. No, I was terrified, especially, you know, you read a lot of things that people have to say and it kind of almost alters your narrative or creates doubt. You know, I was a big fan of Gabia 
prior to this season. Like I, I, I am still a huge fan of Gabby, and I, I remember buying him on Football Manager when he was 17 years <laughs> old. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the guy. But um, he, he did have a pretty poor f- performance. Um, I forgot who it was against Sassuolo, was it against or Fiorentina? One of them. No, it was it was uh, Fiorentina because Fiorentina, that's when yeah. Duncan scored that weird exactly. goal. Remember? Um, but Kalulu, I have to say, is a specimen. He's one of those that's athletically built, like perfect for football. Mm. He can play right back, centre back without any problems. You know, he has the recovery pace, he has the strength, he has the intelligence. I'm, I'm quite, I was quite satisfied with their performance, and I'm not too worried for Sunday's game against Venezia either. Yeah, I think Kalulu in particular had a had a good game. I think it was cool allowing Gabia to go forward when it comes to the aerial duels and leaving Kalulu that step back because his pace allowed him to track back and, and get himself in that spot to assist Gabia. I think Florenzi, like you said, ha- has come in clutch. I don't know since when did he have that strike on him, but he's yeah. been shooting <laughs> and taking taking free kicks and corners. He's been fantastic. But yeah, a lot of high points for Milan to take in. Just one point behind Inter now in second place, obviously, with a game, with Inter having a game in hand. However, Roma, on the other hand, they're slightly on the decline. They need to pick it up. And yeah, Mourinho needs to see what he's going to do. They're down to seventh place now. Just two more points I'd like to mention. That 17-year-old goalkeeper, La Panava of Milan, got the tram back home after the game. He hasn't even <laughs> signed his professional contract Jesus, yet. someone give him a lift. Yeah, <laughs> someone give this guy a lift, poor guy. <laughs> Um, also, Mourinho bragged about rejecting Milan after the game, saying that they had approached him and he took three days to decline. Um, he takes pride in doing so. Um, Mourinho, I did not want you, and I can assure you that most people probably didn't want you either. Yeah, well, probably when you know Milan had those names in their team, Mourinho would have probably been fucking great, if I'm being honest, at, at Milan. But today is a different day, and Mourinho, you just lost 3-1 to the team you rejected three times. So I think you should concentrate less on talking and more about what you're doing in training with your team, especially when Pioli's on fire. <laughs> Ah, I'm horny now. But over <laughs> to the next game, it's Lazio 3, Empoli 3, the battle between Sarri and Andrea Zoli. So the last result between these two was Empoli 1, Lazio 3, so quite disappointing now for Lazio. And the fun fact is that Lazio had won 6 of their last Serie A matches against Empoli, and Empoli's last goal away to Lazio was back in 2007. Empoli did have some injuries in play as well, missing Haas, Cutrone and Romagnoli. The scoring was opened by Bayrami from the penalty spot in the 6th minute, quickly followed up by a goal by Zurkowski in the 8th. In the 14th minute, Immobile scored. 66th minute, Savic making it 2-2. In the 75th, Francesco gave Empoli a 3-2 advantage. 
However, in the 87th minute, Lazio were awarded a penalty, but it was saved by Vicario, much to Immobile's dismay. However, Milinkovic Savage did manage to get a winner in the 92nd minute after a Zaccani assist. That was never a penalty on Immobile. I, I, I don't think it was a penalty at never, all, brother. I'm so glad Vicario saved it. Thank God. By the way, did you know the, the B in Immobile stands for Butler? Ah, okay, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, and Vicario had had a few mistakes here and there in the game. He didn't look solid at all, but I'm so glad that he saved mm. that penalty. Nice little boost for his rankings as well. Of course, for his stats, right? He got an eight on who scored, yeah. <laughs> even though even though he conceded three and almost gave away another goal due to a blunder, but um, it yeah. hit Patrick's hand on the way. Exactly. But anyway, um, bro, three three. Of course, um, I predicted a two two coming into this. I thought it would be a high scoring affair. And um, what did you predict? I th- I think I said two one to Lazio. I, mm-hmm. My my dilemma was between a two two and a two one. I knew it was going to be high scoring, and I knew there wasn't going to be much in it. Um, but those injuries that I pointed out, the three men that they had missing, did make me think that Lazio would have the advantage with them. You know, being fucking Lazio supposedly. But yeah, Empoli once again. You can never bet against these guys, man. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend yeah. it at all. They're so powerful. And Lazio have this um, this trend almost this season where they tend to concede many goals early on and end up chasing the game. And I feel like that really disadvantages them, of course. Um, it gets them, it, it leaves them unable to express themselves freely. They always have this pressure on them because of their lack of concentration from the get go. And that's, that sucks, yeah, you know. For sure. I mean, it mirrors their game against Odinese as well, that 4 4 thriller. Yeah, exactly. So you're not wrong there at I all. I mean, imagine, imagine by the eighth minute, they're 2 nil down. Yeah. How demoralized. I would say that this is a good point for, for Lazio. Yeah, Lazio had to fight. Lazio were constantly fighting for yeah. a point in this yeah. game. They were constantly fighting for it. Because even when they equalized, they conceded <laughs> instantly and they w- were tracking again. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't an easy task for Empoli and then hanging on to a 2 nil advantage that they got yeah. in the eighth minute. You know, at the end of the day, they're facing big names. Of like course. Immobile, Anderson, Pedro, Luis Alberto and Milinkovic-Savic. I think Milinkovic-Savic, after the season that he's been having and the season Lazio have been having, he'd be looking to get away from the club towards the end of the season, man. This was the COVID-free derby, by the way. These clubs haven't been affected by COVID. Way. Um, fun fact. Yeah. Congratulations. But it's crazy, you know, this whole thing that um, Empoli are a team of 30 starters is totally true. Mm-hmm. Um, Pinamonti came off the bench, you know, Stula came off the bench, Marquitza came off the bench. These guys yeah. are... La Mantia started. started this game as yeah, well. Exactly. Um, Parisi got injured this game, but he's been really good, the left back. Yeah, he has been good. He has been good, Parisi. And, and Marquitza are good, good choices to have for them. Yeah. Um, I just want to highlight, man, that um, apparently Lazio are close to signing Bayrami or Bajrami. I don't know how to pronounce these Albanian Bayrami, names. Are really yeah. Bayrami, of course. Um, do you do you think that that's a good move for him, for Lazio, for Empoli? Who do you think? So I think what Bayrami would be concentrated on with with where he is in in his career right now. You know, he's. 22 years old, he's been racking up goals for Empoli, having good performances, he's only just started in this area. So I think a step up to Lazio is good for him nonetheless, it's somewhere where he can make a name for himself and Lazio can switch it up next season, get used to Sarri's system and get back to winning ways. I think it's it's a, a good signing, definitely, well it's a good move definitely for Bayrami, would he technically fit into the system? I don't know because he's literally competing with Luis Alberto. But yeah. if Luis Alberto's linked with a move away and he does get that move away, I think Bayrami would be 
would be a good shout. The but he doesn't even. The thing is, he do, like you're saying, he doesn't directly fit because Sarri plays a four-three-three, right? Mm-hmm. And he plays with a deep-lying playmaker, two central midfielders, uh, wingers, and a striker. Bayram is an, an attacking midfielder, a Jacquardista. Yeah, where are you gonna pop him in? Yeah, well, I mean. The feeling that I get is that the three that he has in midfield is totally going to be shifted around next season. So I would imagine that Luis Alberto is will be on his way out either this month I think or, so or within the I next six Luis months. Sure. Yep, I think Cataldi in an ideal world would be dropped over there. So I think they keep uh, Milinkovic-Savic as the box-to-box over there. I think they're due a conservative midfielder and then having Bayrami pushing forward in that slightly more attacking role. I think that could potentially work. That's the only way it could okay. work, bringing in Bayrami. And how detrimental would it be for Empoli if Bayrami left? Well, like you said, they're a team of 30 players. So, like we saw, Haas wasn't part of the squad this time due to an injury, and Henderson came in and did a brilliant job. I'm sure we could see Haas in that role doing a good job. Maybe he won't be as technically gifted as Bayrami. Bayrami is a pleasure to watch. Mm, I love really good. seeing him on the ball in particular. He's phenomenal. So, they will feel it. There will be certain instances where that salvage a point of Bayrami were in the team. But I mean, they'll make money from it, which is... That's true. They need to cement themselves in Serie A. They're in top 10, make some money off Bayrami. Fuck it, man, not and the worst And it will be thing. interesting to see where they reinvest that cash. Yeah. Um, well, they've also gotten results without Bayrami being in the team because he was injured mm-hmm. for a while as well, so... Yeah, so we all know that Sarri's system takes time, right? Yeah. But things are looking pretty, pretty grim for him. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't qualify for Europe... Should Lazio sack him? Like, not even the Conference League, not even the Europa League, nothing mm-hmm. like eighth, no. eighth spot finish. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, You know, Lazio have been struggling for a number of seasons now. and But they always got Europe, eh? They always yeah, got something. Under a manager that had been with them for a while, mm-hmm. with, with Simone and Zaghi. So, obviously, it would have taken Simone time as well in, in the beginning. And I think Sarri is, case in point, a manager you need to give time to. I think he yeah. even managed to win the league with Juve when they were literally on their way down. I think he's a good manager. I think he deserves some time simply because he's he's Maurizio Sarri. Don't get me wrong. I don't see anything in their team that makes me say keep him. But the fact that he's always got something off his sleeve, I don't know. What do you think? I think they should stick with him. I think that Sarri is something that... It's a long-term investment, right? When you invest in him, you have to fucking wait. Yeah. You know, it's He's a cryptocurrency that's low. Exactly. You buy him and then you sell, <laughs> you sell when it's high, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, my, my major concern when it comes to Lazio is the fact that if they don't get Europe, if they, they're not getting Champions League for sure. No. If no, they don't get a European spot, what's keeping Milinkovic, Savic, Luis Alberto, Giro, Mobile, Pedro, Philip Anderson, what's keeping these guys there? These guys are in their prime, you know, I'm sure they want to play on the European stage. Are 100%. they going to wait? Are they going to risk it? I would leave in a heartbeat, personally. I don't know what the fuck they're still doing there. I mean, a lot of them must probably feel somewhat attached to the club or something's Mm -hmm. been promised to them, like, we've got a new system, it's going to work around you. Like, God knows how many times that's been said to Milinkovic-Savic now. Um, But, yeah, I think think a lot of players... I think there will be a a major reshuffle. I think if, for example, Luis Alberto leaves and they cash in some cash on him, then they'll definitely Mm -hmm. make make some movements in the team. What players do you see... That not that Lazio could bring in to have a real impact on the team. Bremer, Bremer. Yeah, yeah. I think they need a centre back desperately, and Bremer would really sort them out. But the thing is, why the fuck would Bremer go to Lazio? 
You know, that's the thing. I see many players going there and playing well for them, but um, I don't think they'd want to go, quite frankly. Well, Torino are having a good season, but I think Lazio will have more. No, good... Bremer will probably go to Milan or abroad, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah I think, fair, I think fair he's, off. he's off as a free that. agent. For yeah, a step year. above that. I personally think that the massive issue with Lazio is their defence, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think their defence is fucking shambolic. I think Marusic is bad. I think Hisai is bad. I think Atrebi is having a dreadful season. Yeah. And I think Felipe is probably the better defender that they have this time around, although he hasn't yeah, been solid. I agree. And Atrebi got um, he, he's fighting with the fans right now. Because ah, yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. discussed it. We, in the we last discussed episode, it in the last yeah. episode. They they want him the fuck out, yeah. like their their captain. So they're in trouble because they're only good center. Well, they're only good center back apart from Luis Felipe is actually um, yeah. you know on the way out. Anyway, the first goal, by the way, bro, was co- totally made in Albania. It was a Strakosha mistake. A Strakosha foul after a Hisai mistake scored by Bayrami. All Ooh, Albanians. Like. Okay. I didn't yeah. know half those guys were Albanian, <laughs> to, to be completely honest. I never look at someone and go, ah, that guy's Albanian. Like, never something that comes to mind. By the way, bro, um, do you prefer Strakosha or Reina? I personally prefer Reina because of his distribution. Mm-hmm. And, and I just feel like he has but more been, command over a shaky defense. However, he's been really clumsy this season. He Arena. has been clumsy. He has been clumsy. Well, Strakosha wasn't exactly, you know. Fucking solid at thing. all in this game, man. No, they've got some serious work to do on their team. I don't even know where to fucking start. <laughs> anyway, Lazio sit in eighth, Empoli sit in ninth. They are four port- points apart. I think both teams would take the draw. Yep. This game. Yep. I mean, Lazio in an ideal world had they started the game not conceding two goals and they'd be aiming for a victory over there. They would have been planning a victory in the dressing room. Empoli would have been doing the same thing, low key. And. Yeah, shocking the shocking the league as always. The next game took place at the Mape Stadium between Sassuolo and Genoa and ended 1-1. Sassuolo had won six of their previous eight games um, at home to Genoa coming into this. In the seventh minute, Destro scored a lovely back heel goal. In the 55th minute, uh, Berardi got his ninth of the season. What did you make of this game, Matt? So I think naturally Sassuolo were the aggressors in this game. I think there were many occasions where we thought that they were, you know, destined to win this game. They were going forward pretty convincingly. But Genoa just managed to stick on in great Genoa fashion. And it's such an asset that they have Destro back on the team again because no one scores from that position in that team aside from Destro. Yeah, Genoa put in a similar performance to Napoli. <laughs> you know, they, they got a lead, they, they conceded and they held on. Um, you know, the stats were totally, totally, totally in Sassuolo's favour. Ridiculous, ridiculous stats, stats, bro. Yeah, let me find them quickly. They had Sassuolo had 28 attempts to Genoa's four. Um, that's, that's just crazy, you know. Uh, not to mention the possession. Yep, Sassuolo had 74% possession. Well, 74.5% ball possession to Genoa's 25.5%. It was an odd lineup coming into the game. They played um, Defrel up front with Raspadori behind him, Kyriakopoulos on the left, and Berardi on the right. This is, of course, due to the fact that they have Fratesi out, Juricic out, um, Skamaka out, and Traore out, not to mention Henrique, Obiang, Manianelli, Peluso, and Romagna. Um, Genoa, no, it's really, on the other it's hand, really chill, the situation at Sassuolo. Yeah, right really now. chill. Everyone's really relaxed. Yeah. Con. 
Berami, Krishito, Kalon, Maximovic, Rovella, Serpe and Storaro were all missing for, for Genoa. So these were two pretty depleted sides. Um, Genoa will be the happier of the of the two, of course, considering how you know they, how pressed they were throughout the whole game. Um, one thing I'd like to mention, bro, if Defrel could finish, he'd be a really good player. No, he's he's good on the ball. I can't think of anything else he's good at. But once yeah. he has the ball at his feet, he's decent at dribbling. He's got good control. He's got good passing. Not I'm afraid he no he, he doesn't have the his movement is really good in, in the in the offensive phase but uh, but he has zero again final product and even at a point there was Berardi completely open instead of squaring it to him he went for a goal and he just missed Berardi looked really frustrated yeah it. I don't think that's Defrel's vision I think I think it's the size of his ego rather I I think yeah. we see, we see him going for a goal quite often when he should be passing the ball of course um, back to back draws for Genoa could be the start of some decent form for them. Yep, two points for Shevchenko definitely gives him that confidence And, they, you know, January upon us, they've, they've already um, brought on Hefty Hefty, yes, he played this game, he played pretty well, I have to say Yeah, he, he was decent, so I think we'll start From seeing, Young Boys Yeah, um, probably after Young Boys' performances in the Champions League They probably picked him up from there Yeah, yeah um, but yeah, I think I think Genoa towards the second half of the season Which is, you know, just, just upon us now you will see some movement, we'll see them improve slightly and progress more than, than Cagliari and Salernitana. Yes, history tends to repeat itself, same goes for Cagliari. In fact, you know, they both got positive results this week, the beginning of the year. Could it be a new start for them, a fresh start? You know, the more I look at these teams, the more I worry about Spezia. I do not see Spezia surviving. Spezia 100% will get relegated, I need to place a bet like yeah, I think I think Spezia will get relegated as well. To be honest, I think. So you don't want to place the bet against me, man? No, I think euros. I think we could both put fifty euro into a betting platform, and we can you know make make cool. some good cool. money. Cool. No, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. Yeah. Um, I think Genoa will will probably make their way out of that bottom three. Yeah. I don't see Cagliari making it out of the bottom three. We'll we'll talk about their positive performance against Sampdoria soon. But yeah, that's yeah. that's that's my take. Yeah. Um, Ekuban was really good Destro was of course a vibe as usual Cambiasso mm-hmm. um, I'm really impressed by always a left back I, I, I can't see him staying there for very long I think they'll pick him up Someone will pick him up next year for sure Cambiasso Even if it's yeah. like a, As kind of an apprentice to a better left back Perhaps to a Theo Hernandez You know It could, could be Could be the case He's been very consistent this season I feel Cambiasso I think whilst Genoa were kind of on and off I think two consistent players that we saw Throughout the season have been Cambiasso and Van Hoisten. I think Van Hoisten mm. again had a good performance. He's yeah. just stable and solid. And for a young man, he's doing great things. Of course, on loan from Inter. On loan from Inter, of course. Portanova in, in the midfield isn't bad either. He's the best football playing shepherd I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, zero drip, that guy, man. Like, it's zero. true, it's true, it's true. <laughs> like, not groomed at all. But I have to say... That um, Sassuolo didn't play badly It's just the final product The end product as usual And the fact that they can't make the most out of their set pieces Because they did have a few um, yeah. Once again it was the Robin Hood effect They just felt bad for Genoa and gave them a point right? Now if they come yeah. against like Napoli They just beat them 2-1 or something I can't help but feel that Had Sassuolo had a fully fit Scamacca up front Then this would have been a different story Probably I mean, probably. Like you said they, they had a lot of balls flying into the box And there was no end product I think having Scamacca over there yeah. Even though it doesn't guarantee that any of those would go in It definitely increases their chances 
Um, I think Sassuolo had a decent performance for certain players they had on the pitch. Like you said, um, Kyriakopoulos isn't normally a player with, with C playing out on the right, but he had a, a good performance. I think Harui had a good performance in that central midfield role. So, I don't know. I, I think they, they could have and, and should have done more in this match. Look, Sassuolo have some good pieces. They have a lot of talent. They beat the big dogs. They can definitely get something going. But once again, as we discussed with Lazio, um, how many of these guys are going to hang out? Like, you think Berardi is going to waste another year of his life at Sassuolo? No. You think fucking Skamaka is going to hang out there? You think Raspadori, who's been flirting with Inter all season, is going to hang out there? They're not going to wait. That's the thing. And unless the fucking board decide to actually replace the players they sell, not to fucking rely on seriable loanies and just nobodies to, to mm. replace veteran players, and they're not going to make any progress. Now, yeah. it depends on what their ambitions are as a club. Eh? I, I don't think they're too ambitious with the with the moves. That the, well, I say that I don't think they're too ambitious. and it's Their story is the definition of ambition. That's they true. made it from the bottom tier all the way up to the Europa League. Yeah, and it's probably more of a, a budgeting issue more than anything. Mm. But I say they're not ambitious probably because of the... The, th- the two players that they lost in, in Caputo and Locatelli and De Zerbi as well. But at the end of the day, I think we used to speak about them not being replaced. But in hindsight, with Fratesi having such a good season, it, you know, replacing Locatelli and doing great bits over there and Skamaka picking up as well. I think in hindsight, they might have something going on with these youngsters that they're bringing on board and with, you know, showing showing faith in, in De Zerbi as well. But... Yeah, I think this is definitely a game they, they should be winning. I don't think a team like Sassuolo should be dropping points in general. But, you know, we repeat ourselves and we repeat ourselves how Sassuolo shouldn't be dropping points against the lower half of the season. But it's just something Sassuolo do. So, I don't know. I don't think they should be accepting it. But myself, as a football fanatic, I'm starting to accept it. <laughs> Very good. So, Sassuolo find themselves in 13th, while Genoa find themselves in 19th, just... Four points from safety. Excuse my maths. I have been drinking. <laughs> the next game we'll be covering would be... Oh, look. The team we both think is going to get relegated. Spezia 1, Verona 2. So the goals were scored by Caprari in the 59th minute opening the scoring. Caprari getting a second goal in the 70th minute. And Spezia getting a consolation the 85th minute through Martin Ehrlich. Yeah, Verona have now won three of their four Serie A games against Spezia. They had one draw as well, so they are undefeated against them. And this was Verona's 1,000th match in Serie A, by the way. Congratulations, what? Verona. Well, well done. done. Flying donkeys. The, those are Kievo. Oh, shit. But anyway, no problem. They are the 17th team to reach that milestone. Uh, this is um, obviously... Verona's first win in the last four games, so they ended their four-match winless run. There were quite a few injuries in this game. The missing players for Spezia were Koli, Hristov, Kovalenko, Senna, Manai, or Manaj, Albanian again, <laughs> or Andenzola. While for Verona, there was, um, God bless me, Davidovic, Frabotta, Hongl- Hongla, and Maniani. I've never seen Hongla play, dude. I started a career mode with Verona while I was in quarantine with Jack. We played Hongla. He's on loan. And according to FIFA, he's pacey and he's strong, both okay. both in the 80s. Bo- both fantastic FIFA attributes. Exactly. No, but he's on loan from a French team, I believe. Um, but yeah, it looks, looks like, look, genuinely looks like a good player. Okay. Agudelo was also sent off at the end of the match because of a collision with De Pauli. Um, and bro, I shit on Mota a lot. 
And I don't think he's a good manager. Mm-hmm. And I think he's underqualified and that he's shit, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But it has to be said that Spezia play attractive football, man. I, They're always fun to watch. I've said this before. I think they have a good team and I think they play good football. It, yeah. We saw what they were capable of doing under Italiano last year. But it you know, that could be an element of muscle memory. It could be. It could be definitely it could definitely be. And that um Italiano's influence is making Motta look a little bit better. But um, I, I still think he's punching above his weight. He should have started in the lower divisions. He didn't because he's an ex-player and they are the most fucking underqualified workers in football. Mm. But uh, possibly in the world. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, who were who your standout performers for Spezia today? So for Spezia, I quite like Bastoni in this game. I think Bastoni always gives a positive yeah. performance. You know, He's their best player, I think. I, he's, I, I would. he's Spezia's guy, like Mr. Yeah. Spezia. I would agree. I, I really liked Bastoni. Well, I really like Bastoni overall. Um, I really like Maggiore. Myself didn't have the most convincing performance over here as they were, you know, they were facing a better Verona side. But that, that midfield combination of Bastoni and Maggiore is something that really works for me. What do it you think? It really does. Now, the thing is, Bastoni is a versatile player. He's very useful. He can either play left back, he can pop him in the middle, yeah. he can play him anywhere. Once he has a good shot on him, he can tackle. I like the guy. I think he should stay in Serie when Spezia inevitably go down. <laughs> Mark our words. Now, I think, obviously, um, Verona totally deserved this victory. Um, they were injury-plagued. Kevin Lasagna played well. He finally found his level. Simeone was involved, kind of, but not quite there, not quite his usual self. Lazovic mm. was very lively on the left. And I have to say, shout-out, big, big, big shout-out, of course, to Caprari. What a performance he put in. Yeah, that was... Exceptional. I think yeah. the fans showed him that they loved it as well. Yeah. I think he shows the fans that he loves them as well. Yeah. They they showered him with, um, mm-hmm. I think, water it was, to be honest with you. He ran up to the fans when he scored the first goal and they were throwing water at them and he was like, yeah, hit me, hit me. <laughs> like, it, was, it was cool to watch, fun to watch, of course. Um, but yeah, other than that, bro, pretty straightforward victory for um, Verona. Um, dominant performance. Spezia's next game is against Genoa. And this is going to be a fight for Motta's employment, in my opinion. There is no chance he hangs in there if they don't win that game. Um, apparently, the experienced relegation candidate and manager, Maran, has been contacted and is on standby. Um, personally, I'm not a big fan of what Maran has to offer. And um, I don't see him being the solution. But what do you think, bro? No, I agree with you 100%. I think I think Maran is, is an old school kind of manager. I think we saw Spezia do good things with a progressive manager the last time round. Yeah. I think I think this is a strictly a signing to keep them up from relegation, mm. but yeah, I, I I don't think that system ever ever really works well. But then that's the thing, right? You sign a guy to keep you from getting relegated. He stops you from getting relegated. You keep him on and then you almost get relegated again the exactly. next season. And you exactly. never end up progressing, right? No, that's he's he's, he's what they call a, a quick cycle. fix. If yeah. if they do get Maran on board then they need to start thinking of who they're gonna onboard throughout the summer from now. Yeah. Do you see any like managers that could go to Spets and I say, let's say they do get Maran and let's say they do move on and start the season with a new manager. Who do you see taking the helm there? It's so hard to say because you're either going to get, you know, kind of like a, a Colantuono-esque manager that, that has done it before but has been out of the scene for a while. Even, you know, just, mm. just an example. 
Um, or else you're gonna get someone like Motta without that much experience, but he's young and and he brings a new vision to the table. So it's it's difficult to say which pets yeah, who who, mm-hmm. who they could bring on board. It is difficult. Um, they'll probably go for Pippo and Zagi, right? No, oh, not not the worst shout in the world. Not, not the worst, the worst in, in the, the world. world, but they're definitely better. Yeah. Yep. I think Verona did did well to get away with a victory over here. They were, you know, it wasn't an easy game by all means. They had their their injuries as well over there. It's incredible to see what Tudor has done to this side with, with yeah. the little bit of time that he has. And I'd like to read in to what the situation with Caprari is because I know he's on loan with Sampdoria, but I would love to know if they have an option or an obligation to buy. I think if they do, he's definitely the first player they should renew as Lasagna fucks off back to Udinese. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not I'm not too sure what his situation is. He's on loan at Sampdoria. I'm not sure if they have an obligation or an option. Um, we will see and get back to it in the next episode. Worry not. Um, but for the league table, currently Verona find themselves in 11th place, while Spezia are in 17th place. Three points away from Cagliari in 18th. Verona can do it. Verona can get that top 10 if they keep on pushing. I strongly, strongly fucking believe so. The next game we'll be covering is a very, you know, just a strange scoreline to see in front of me right now. It's Sampdoria 1, Cagliari 2. Goals were scored by Gabbiadini in the 18th minute and he simply did not give a fuck when he scored. It was just fucking renegade if I'm being honest. Uh, there was an equalizer in the 55th minute by Diola and in the 71st minute Pavoletti got that all-important winner for Cagliari. Yeah, in the 91st minute Candreva got a red card, he hit someone but didn't even do it properly. Um, it's a shame, like if you're gonna get a red for violence you might as well punch him in the face, you know? Yeah. But I have to, I have to highlight um, Deola's goal It was a rebound After a good save By Odero But the celebration Like go watch it On YouTube On the highlights It's insane He's screaming The birds in the background Are flying Just a moment of passion Like the commentator Screaming Look what it means To Cali You could just <laughs> It's incredible The Titanic music In the background Without even playing it It is set up to be in a museum, that goal. Now, it was a really simple goal. Like, it was a shit shot to begin yeah, with. And good was save by Odeo, to uh-huh. be honest. But the rebound was easy. Those fucking white pigeons, though, man. Yeah, um, beautiful, honestly. So poetic. But I have to say that, um, by the way, Mazzari coming into this game kind of singled out Casares and Godin, saying that as veteran players, they should be performing way better and they're not being professional enough and kind of threw them under the bus for the poor performances they have had this season. And they have brought on Lovato on loan from Atalanta. Yep. And in fact, he played this game. And he was a breath of fresh air, to be honest, for them, compared to the washed-up Godin that we're used to seeing. So, yeah. pretty pretty good move for, for Lovato and for Cagliari. For sure. And I really like Lovato. I really liked him at Hellas, in, in particular. I think he did, he did great things over there. But I think Cagliari would be fucking thrilled with this result. Yeah. I think Sampdoria, on the other hand, have to recognize now that they are in a dire situation. I think yeah. they're in the danger zone, man. They're they're right there. They are in the danger zone for sure. Yep, seven points above that that you know relegation spot. But if they if they keep dropping the points the way that they are, then they're simply gonna be there. It's not a good situation to be in at all. Yeah, it goes to show when Kandreva doesn't show up for these guys, they're absolutely useless. Um, really, and in fact, Caputo, like you don't even realize he's playing, man. No, you no, know, no. Caputo's invisible. And in this four-four-two, he said we already discussed how we think that Caputo works well in a four-three-three, where he has wingers close to him and he can kind of move off them. But like in, the, in a four-four-two, it does not work, especially like you know. 
with Gabbiadini, with Berzinski and Kondrevo had a bit of a shit show this game. It didn't work at all. But I think Cagliari did a great job of not only winning this game, but doing it very convincingly. I felt like they dominated the game from start to finish. I think, you know, Marin in particular was was really great. I think Deola, obviously, he, he got the goal as well. Pavoletti, João Pedro, um, Lico Giannis as well had a great game. Yeah, just overall a good performance by Cagliari and not something we've said often this time yeah. round. And not something we've said often was how poor João Pedro's finishing was this game. Yeah, João Pedro's <laughs> finishing wasn't great, but it's good to see that Cagliari managed to get goals without yeah, yeah. João Pedro even contributing to a single one. Question, bro, who's the, the better vibe, Destro or Gabbiadini? I would say Destro because I feel like he's naughtier. I feel yeah. like he's wild, he's crazier. Like yeah, yeah. he'll fucking bite you and fuck you up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Gabbiadini is more stone cold. Gabbiadini like, looks like he drank. Like, yeah, I scored. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gabbiadini looks like he drank a six pack of chisk, smoked a joint, and went on the pitch. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. He never does his hair. And, and then, <laughs> then Destro's more coke. Like he did a line and just <laughs> ran onto the pitch. Yeah, so I'd say Gabbiadini, you say Destro. For once, we, we disagree, man. Yeah, let's get a poll up on Twitter. and, and I have, I have one already Destro one, it. actually. I put one up a few days ago. That's yes? Yeah, I, should really that. Be, I should really know that. Like You should be on Twitter, man. Your Twitter game is fucking abysmal, actually. Yeah, my 28 followers beg yeah. to differ. At Calcio Fencata, call him shit. So yep. 73% de- voted for Destro, 27 of course, for Gabbiadini, 41 votes. Respect, respect. I think Sampdoria, well, I'm trying to think of any highlights I can take out of their performance. I think Audero had that good save that mm-hmm. ended up going in nonetheless. Um, Yoshida, yeah. always has a good game. Contributing to goals as well nowadays, Yoshida scoring, assisting, he's getting yep. those numbers up. A fantacultural wet dream right now. The 100%. <laughs> I think the opposite side of Kandreva did, did very well in this game, Berezinski, yeah. um, being pushed up the field as a right midfielder over here, and I think he did bits over there. He's you know he's a workhorse, Berezinski, and, and he can whoop a ball in, bless him. So, yeah, respect to that. Just to give you guys an idea of how heavily Cagliari dominated the game, they got 15 shots away as opposed to Sampdoria's four. Um, they had 50.8% ball possession as opposed to Sampdoria's 49.2. So quite tight over there, but I think the total shot says it all, really. Sampdoria currently sit in 15th with 20 points and Cagliari sit in 18th with 13 points after confirming their second victory of the season. I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it, yeah, I want it, I got it, I want it. So this is our new transfer segment for January um, where we're going to be discussing who saw it, who liked it, who wanted it and quite frankly who got it. Take it away bro. (laughs) So naturally as the way the football world works, everyone sees it, everyone wants it. But the transfer goes down to that person that got it. So this time we managed to see that Lorenzo Insigne has confirmed his move to Toronto next season. Toronto saw it, they liked it, they wanted it, and they got it. Napoli fans would like Insigne to leave the club as soon as possible, but Insigne will hold on until the end of the season and transfer in June. Christoph Piontek has returned to the Serie A after a stint with Hertha Berlin. He joins Fiorentina on a loan move for six months, He's had a decent spell in Germany where he has seven goals in his last 32 matches 
and one in nine this season. He had 13 goals in 36 performances for Milan and 13 goals in 19 matches for Genoa. Napoli have confirmed a loan with the option to buy of United player Tuan Zebe, the centre-back. Uh, the Man United player has been there since 2015 serving loans with Aston Villa until 2022 and actually they will be terminating his loan with Aston Villa in order for him to join Napoli who will more than likely renew his, well extend his loan especially after losing Manolas. Icone will be joining Fiorentina from Lille. This is one of the biggest and most impressive signings this time round. He's a 23-year-old winger who has experience playing in the PSG Youth Academy and Fiorentina managed to pick him up for 14 million. He was part of that deadly front three that sunk Milan in the Europa League a couple of years ago and he has played 121 games for Lille and scored 11 goals. Roman Mourinho have confirmed the six-month dry loan of Maitland Niles from Arsenal. This will improve Roma's depth in the right wing department, something that you know they'll they'll need when Zaniolo inevitably gets injured. Venezia have splashed some cash themselves and have spent four million on confirming Cuisance from Bayern, a young central midfielder who has played 13 competitive games for Bayern and recorded two goals in that, so not bad for a youngster. He joins Henri in the list of four million men that play for Venezia. Henri might have been five or six. I can't quite remember right now, but it was more than four. It was five or six for sure. So this goes to show that Quissance is utter rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> he made five appearances for the Bayern reserves. Last season, he was loaned to Marseille, where he played 30 games and scored two goals. But definitely a good signing for Venezia as they look to stay in the league. Cagliari have themselves a new striker and this is because Galliano has returned from loan from Avellino where he has three goals in 14 matches. Another loan sees Rincon leave Torino to Sampdoria for six months. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure which team that benefits more. <laughs> Adrian Silva has left Sampdoria on a free to Al-Wahda. Probably Al-Wahda have been listening to Serie A Spotlight but... Yeah, Adrian Silva has a decent CV, he's the former sporting captain, European Cup winner in 2016, just hasn't gone his way. But I have to say, if al were actually listening to Serie Spotlight, they would have never actually brought in Adrian Silva, bro. <laughs> it's, it's what we true. did was shit out of this season. <laughs> it's true, it's true. I, I got that one twisted. As we mentioned earlier, Lovato has joined Cagliari on a six-month loan, a promising centre-back we saw him do very well at Veron and a decent debut for him as well. Sampdoria have announced that Fabio De Paoli has joined Hellas Verona on loan with an option to sign permanently further down the line. He's a good right-back that can serve as a vice for Faraoni down the line. We mentioned Hefty already, the young boys right-back uh, has joined Genoa for 5 million after impressive displays. Samir, a moment of silence for the latest victim of Gino Pozzo. He will be representing Watford. We'll see him back at Udinese. And then we'll see him back at Watford. Then we'll see him back at Udinese. Then we'll see him back at Watford. Then we'll see him back at Udinese. Then we'll see him back at Watford and subsequently back at Udinese. And then he will die. And then he'll die. Ostegaard has joined Genoa on loan from Brighton, a young promising centre-back. He was, I've seen a bit of Prem, and Ostergaard is okay, and 
Genoa have issues be, with good for, yeah. Good for them, I think. Genoa do have some issues in their center back. Maziello. So this this shouldn't be a bad move at all for them. Now looking at some players who have actually left the league. Um, Hasan Begovic has left from Venezia on loan to Super League Greece two club Calithea. He's a striker and hopefully you know he'll score in the second division of Greece. Saju has left Milan on loan to join Ascoli, a very promising striker. So I'll keep eyes out on him. I'm sure we both will keep eyes on him at Ascoli. Rossi, the Lazio striker, has moved on loan to Monopoly. Um, they probably bought him with Monopoly money as well. <laughs> and Escalante has been loaned out to Deportivo from Lazio as well. We will be sure to keep you updated next week on any other any other transfers that have been going through if there are any transfers that you think should happen or shouldn't happen feel free to get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts so welcome back to our question segment. If you have any questions or hot takes, you can ask us at Serie A Spotlight on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on fucking YouTube, anywhere you want, bro. One hundred, one hundred, one hundred. Yeah. Um, the first question comes from one of the Jabulani's himself, um, Andrew Santfornier, um, on Instagram if you want to add him. Very nice guy. Um, he asks, who is your all-time Serie A 11? So... This was a difficult question because it's not who is who are your eleven favorite players no. of all time. No. It's who are the best. Now I don't like including players that we haven't actually seen yeah. play personally. Yeah. So just to give you an idea. I'm 26 years old. Matthew, 24. 24 years yeah. old. So so these from are the 2000 onwards, relatively. Kind of, yeah. yeah, 2002. Kind of we we were watching yeah. football the entire time. Um, so we decided to come up with a team together yeah. and, and this took a lot of debating This team, bear in mind, would probably win some trophies But it's probably a bit offensive, more offensive than Of course, the midfield's completely disbalanced like, Exactly Unbalanced, disbalanced Whatever, dude don't Anyway, so it. so the goalkeeper that we decided to, to deploy is Buffon uh, to, to my dismay, I fucking hate him <laughs> But anyway, Buffon nah, he's is great, man. He's Buffon, great, of love course him. But if it had to be my favourite, for example, Dida oh, would be Of course, there. eh um, on the right, Cafu, no debate. Be it yep. Cafu of Roma, be it Cafu of Milan, Cafu's there. Like. I liked Maicon of Inter as well, yeah. but Cafu takes the cake. He's the for best sure, right sure. back in history, probably. Him and Dani Alves, I would say. Yeah. Center backs, so Nesta has to be there. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And we decided to put Kellini because he's won it all. Like, yeah. he's won I, I initially everything. wanted Cannavaro, but. Yeah, Chiellini, I, I, I would see why I would have Chiellini there Wait, I said Chiellini won at all, he hasn't won at all at all As in, he won the Euros and, and the he Euros, won the Serie A the Serie A, yeah, but he's never won the Champions League or the World Cup But he's a fantastic defender, of course, um, he has to be there And Maldini, of course, left back um, yeah. no And he's the captain, shut up, exactly. shut up, fuck up He's the up, captain like. and he's um, on the kits as well Yeah in midfield, this was the toughest, man. Yeah. So, Clarence Seedorf is there because me and my brothers, we, we rate him really highly, right? Yeah, I, I think he's one of the greatest midfielders of all time. And he's honestly. incredibly underrated. People don't talk about him. You know, if you go on these BR yeah. football things, it's never about Seedorf. Seedorf was a fantastic player. He won the Champions League with so many different teams. Yeah, three different teams. He, he won... 
Um, so many trophies. He's called Mr. Mr. Trophy, no, Mr. Trophy. Mm-hmm. Man, he's, he's uh, and his stint at Real Madrid, his stint at Inter. He's just one of the greatest. Yeah. His stint at Ajax, where he was arguably the best. Brilliant. Well, as a midfielder, as the like a guy in front of the defense, we threw in Pirlo. Of course, um, once again to my dismay, and then next to him, rather offensively, we threw in Totti. Fuck yeah. It. Now yeah. it it kills me not including Gattuso, but again, if it's about talent, then this. If is it were about guys. winning, I would drop either Pirlo or Totti and tossing Gattuso yeah. over there. But I'd probably keep Pirlo in because simply when it comes to a a passing, a passing a game, maestro, like a maestro, yeah. Pirlo's one of one of the greatest we've For seen. Sure, I would right? say he's such a unique player. There weren't many like him. Unique. Yeah. Unique. There were so many like him. There weren't many like him back in the day. Sorry. Um, not. Attacking midfielder Kaká, no debate there. Fuck you. Yep. Um, up front. Now this was difficult because we've seen many strikers yeah. in Syria that were incredible. Like um, the, we Chef saw Chef the Chef end of Baggio. Like I remember Baggio as this chubby guy with yeah, Kiev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chubby know, and short. Like. Yeah, yeah with, with a rat's tail hmm. or a ponytail rather. But we decided to opt for Zlatan. Just because he's succeeded everywhere he's been, he was great at Juve, he was great at Inter, he was Juve, great at Milan, Milan both times. He's 40 yeah. and he's one of the best strikers Fuck in the it. league. Zlatan in there, any version of him that you want. Um, alongside the support striker in Del Piero, man. I think particularly Del Piero and Zlatan would play really well yeah. together. Yeah, but I think you, you have to include Del Piero over there. Probably, probably the debate would be Del Piero or Shevchenko. And Del I Piero. would I would probably lean more towards Shevchenko for a bit of balance. No, you know? I would say Del Piero. I think I think if like looking at it from a totally neutral perspective, mm-hmm. Del Piero takes the cake, I why? think. Why? You mean why? I think he was a better player than Shevchenko. I think Shevchenko was a, a goal scorer. I think he, he had that in him. He was addicted to scoring goals. But then that pair had that creative side to him as well. That yeah. was genius. And Getting how, so how many, many Champions goals. Leagues did that creative side nah, win for you? Nah, None at all. None at all, bro. Shevchenko, Champions League winner. Ballon d'Or winner, my friend. He was a fantastic... Fantastic player, but I preferred watching that Piero. I, I think that Piero is, is a genius. Yeah, man. This was the one we disagreed with. Let's two different 11s. Mine has Shashanko, Matthews has Del Piero. Yeah. And, and I also like the shout of Adriano as well. I liked Adriano. Yeah, he a had lot. a really good six months <laughs> before, before his, you know. Stop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> next question. The next question comes from Joe Portelli. Hey, Joe. An old friend of mine from St. Martin's. Hello, good Joe. Guy, really All right, you legend. He asks, is Dybala worthy to sign on a, f- on a new contract that ties him to the old lady until 2026 and would see him earn 8 million euros per season plus 2 million euros as bonuses? That's fucked. That's, like <laughs> that's a 10 million euro contract. <laughs> now, he also, Fennec, this guy. He, also, <laughs> he also added stats. He said in 2021 he played 26 and scored 5 and assisted 3. In 2021-2022 he scored, he played 18, scored 8 times and assisted 4 times. His injury history, he has been injured for 200 out of 712 games. Madonna, bro. Yeah. Um, Madonna. Is he worth 10 million a year? No. no. Sell, <laughs> no. Him, sell him and put someone else as your main man, please. Um, it doesn't make any sense, you know, to have no, Dybala no, 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 as no. your main guy. Your main guy can't be injury prone. He can't be someone who's unreliable. You, yeah. need, you need to build your system around Mr. Reliable, actually. If you're going to spend 8 million on someone, make sure that he gets you 700 of those games. For you sure. know what I mean? Someone consistent, the yeah. best player in your team. 
Chiesa has a shout for, for earning yeah. that, that, that amount. For sure. But Debala, come on, he's great, but he, does, he doesn't deserve 10 million. And the thing is, he's, he's so highly rated that they could actually make a lot of money mm-hmm. from him and reinvest it. Tottenham wisely, were fucking like. creaming for him a couple of seasons ago, man. Creaming they were. Yeah. I know they have contests, so they might want him even more. Um, I was going to make a point. Debala mm-hmm. makes that amount of money. 20% of it is because he's pretty. It's because he's good looking. And Juve want him as a, as, a, as a brand, no, as a face. That's what the Agnellis yeah. are about. That's why they got Leclerc at, they uh, say, at Ferrari. And they everything. say he's a franchise player. And he is. He has exactly. a trademark tattoo, trademark celebration, trademark look. Matthew like Havana, like, yeah. when he, he came to Malta and Havana, everyone was freaking out, you know. He's, he's obviously the guy you want on the billboard. But on the pitch, exactly. he's not the guy. Exactly. He's not the guy. You need him to perform. He comes on, he pulls his hamstring. He's out. 15 minutes <laughs> in. Boom, 1-1, one, one, Venezia. Like, this what the hell are you going to do? This like, isn't to say that, that he doesn't have good spells. Because, for example, the season, and I put him as my top performer for Juve because he probably is with the shitty amount of support that he gets. But no, Juve deserve players like fucking Del Piero to make to be making ten million a season. Yeah. No, no one gets close. Not, to, no one gets close to that in the Juve team, with the exception of Chiesa. Good question, bro. Thank you very much. Um, he also asks. He adds on. It's not really a question. It's like an observation. He asks. Serie A risk losing the following as free agents: Kessi, Brozovic, and Sinia, Bellotti, Dybala, Pellegrini, and Vlaovic. So Dybala will probably renew. Um, Insignia's out for sure. He's going mm-hmm. to Toronto. Toronto. Brozovic will probably move as well. I think. I you don't think. think so? I don't think he'll renew with Inter. Okay. He hasn't. They apparently they've been approaching him like to like renew and like it keeps getting sold. It's, it's similar to a Kessie situation, but of course since it's not Milan, it's not all over the news. I had no idea. For example, I knew his contract was coming to an end, but I thought it would just be negotiations ongoing. I think he's been brilliant for Inter, and probably Inter would want to renew him as soon as possible. But if he's moving away yeah. at 29 years old. Sky's the limit, I'd say, yeah? So I'd be really surprised if Kessie stays as well. I think he's he's out. Already he wants to get a payday for his agent and um No, Kessie's out of for I've, himself as well. I've accepted this. Pellegrini might renew, but at the same time, you know, I I kind of see that guy at Juve. Pellegrini. Fuck. Pellegrini's contract is running out. Pellegrini well. renewed. Did he renew? He renewed 2026, if I'm not mistaken. Let, let's possibly let's fact her Joe. Pellegrini Roma. Contract Because that's how I check things Is Google what you need Right Are delighted yeah. to announce Oh yeah, has right. extension To 2026 Okay yep. so So Pellegrini is tied down And Vlaovic Vlaovic is probably out as well Like Yeah he, he hinted That that he might Consider renewing But yeah, he would have renewed but, but by now he said now. that I think it's a very populist Yeah Typical standard thing He to wants say. to be liked Until he leaves He wants people yeah. to say No please Other than fuck off you know And it's I mean? difficult for them Not to like him To be honest man Because they've been Like chanting his name But the goals he scores Like obviously yeah. Obviously he's how creating could you, How could you hate him But they brought in Piontek as well It's not looking Not looking good for them No absolutely not um, The next question Comes from Stinker On um, Twitter He asks It's by the way It's at Stinker D-J-E-N-E He's our bro He does amazing giveaways You should follow him Diaz is the worst And most disappointing performer In this AC Milan team So it's a hot take Not a question Uh And it's about Brahim Diaz being shit No I don't think I don't think Brahim Diaz Has been shit at all I don't think his contribution 
has been as high. We saw him score in, in the first game of the season against Sampdoria. Mm-hmm. We saw him follow up with a couple after mm-hmm. that as well. So we thought he was going to contribute. We suddenly weren't missing Hakan anymore. But no, I don't. I don't think he's shit at all. I think I think no. he's young. His work rate is great. I think. He gets in between defenders really well. His output is horrendous at times. Yeah. His shooting really needs brushing up. Like his shooting is terrible. Uh, but other than that, he's he's a good player, and I like those lateral runs mm-hmm. that he makes, allowing the wingers to cut inside, and they yeah basically that clean through on goal. But this guy, if, if you want to use superlatives, like he's definitely not the most disappointing. He had a great start. He last game he had the cross, but he had a bit. He had what like four, four, poor, then, poor man. games. Yeah, I mean, disappointing. What is Bakayoko, man? Yeah, we had Bakayoko, this idea of Milan fans that chant, you know, the whole Bak. Well, how was the game? Bakayoko, Bakayoko, yeah, that thing. But um, he and he came and he's been absolute dog shit. Last game he was a bit better, yeah. but he's been the most disappointing in my opinion. Another disappointing player, for example, Frank Kessie. Season, we know we season. know what he can do, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been doing what he typically can do, you know. So no. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that Brahim is the most disappointing. No, another disappointing one, for example, Pellegrini. Another one, Pellegri. Giroud. Yeah. Giroud. We were hoping, okay, well, Zlatan's injured. Giroud can cover. It. Turns out mm-hmm. Giroud's more injured than Zlatan. Zlatan is Zlatan. <laughs> Zlatan. Zlatan. <laughs> I, I think I think Brahim's been okay, man. I think he's been pretty good, actually. I think towards the beginning of the season, he was even one of Milan's best players. But anyway, shout out to Albania, shout out to Stinker. No, I genuinely man, follow this guy, man. Great, great shit. So thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, you can follow us on socials at say a spotlight, pretty much anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Um, we appreciate you listening. Um, ask us questions for the next one. We love you. We love you all. Thank you so much. <laughs>